Cassandra Sánchez Navarro junto a Katherine Siachoque y Verónica Bravo en la nueva serie de comedia original de Vix, Consuelo, disponible en la app de Vix ya. There are few things as heartbreaking as coming home from the hospital without your baby in arms, or longer minutes than those when you are holding your baby unconscious, or the gut-wrenching feeling of discovering at birth that your baby is sick. Today we share the lessons learned from our hardest experiences and talk about the resilience of a mother, which is a power like no other. We'll speak to certified master coach and fellow mommy, Laura Posada, and celebrate how a mother's love can get us through even the darkest moments. We read the books, we bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen, I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first-time working moms, we're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay, because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. So just Hi. with that opening, my heart like, <laughs> how did you not cry I know. I have to try to make it a point to not completely cry the entire time of this episode. But. Yeah. And we'll start by saying that we want this to be a learning experience, I think, for us too, to relive those moments and to celebrate the resilience of us as mothers. I mean, the fact that we're here talking about them means that we got through them somewhere or another. I'm also very excited about our guest today. Yes. She's someone whose story actually made me fall in love with her as a human. And and she's a great example of a mommy and I wish everyone could see her because she actually looks amazing too as a mom. I'm very, very excited. I think we're all going to be able to learn to relive and be, again, vulnerable with our emotions because they were tough moments, but we all learn from them. Yes. So let's go into our motherish moments of the week. Do you want to start? No, go ahead. Start. Okay. So I'll go into my motherish moment of the week. As you know, this could be a moment where we share like a low light or something that's frustrating or challenging this week. So my mother's moment of the week is that my daughter, who is generally a good eater, has now entered this interesting stage where now she only wants to really eat like black beans and rice. And it's not the worst thing, you know, <laughs> but it's definitely pretty challenging. And I'm having a hard time trying to continuously introduce different foods to her because she keeps going back to her safe food. That's been tricky, but also I'm trying to not get too hungry up on it because I know that it's just a stage and it's a predictable stage that everybody told me about back when my daughter was eating everything. They were like, you just wait. So yeah, that's my motherish moment of the week. Okay. It's not a bad choice. It could be worse. It could be worse. Yeah, yeah. It could be worse, but I don't okay. Know. So my motherish moment of the week has to do with a milestone, those mm -hmm. famous milestones, which I think we're going to go ahead and maybe dedicate or talk about those eventually. Yeah. So he is on his belly and I, for some reason, I just want him, I don't want him to grow up too fast, but I'm wondering if he should be doing more. No, stop. What is he doing? I know. So then the other day, and maybe I'll post this picture, I'll share it. He got kind of like a little bit on like, he raced like on a four and I was like, oh my God, it's the first sign that he's about to crawl. But then again, like I always say this, we look at other posts as compared to other babies. I'm like, is he supposed to be crawling, moving more? So I'm kind of pushing him. So I think he's doing okay. But I did have a moment where I'm kind of like starting to worry about if he's at the, you know. You're going to remember this moment when he's totally mobile and you're going to be like, oh, remember when he would just stay still? 
He's so cute. And he's, he loves to sit up and he's just in that age where he always wants to be doing something. So his playroom, which is actually a room that wasn't meant to be a playroom, but now it's his playroom. He took over the entire room. He's this, he always wants to be like touching something, doing something, playing mm-hmm. something. So so that was my moment where I feel like he's about to crawl, but I don't know if he's if that's a sign that he's crawling or he just... It's going to happen in any minute. I know, I'm excited. And it's going to be fine. <laughs> it's all fine. And now we're going to introduce our guest. Yes. So we have with us today, like I mentioned, Master Certified Coach, dear friend, mommy, Laura Posada. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you ladies. And I want to say congratulations because it's very important as mommies to always do something for ourselves. And I think you ladies have created a space where women feel safe and they feel supported and we feel like we can learn from each other. I'm at a different stage in my life. My kids are older now. And uh, my motherish moment this week would be that Paulina is sending her applications for college. So imagine that. I had to sign her application because she wants to do an early admission. She wants to go away to college. She wants to go away. So get ready. You want him to crawl? Get ready when they're, <laughs> when they're going away. It's a very different feeling and it's a very scary feeling. But I'm excited for her for the future. And as parents, we have to prepare them, you know, so that they're ready to leave and grow and then eventually shine find their passion and live the life of their dreams. Yeah, my mom always says, I raise my kids so that they can be good adults. So Laura, your motherhood journey perhaps started in a way that you never envisioned it would. Tell us a little about your background, about how your pregnancy was, what your emotions were expecting your first baby, and then what happened. Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you something that might shock you. Um, because I never wanted to be a mom. I never wanted to have kids. And I think that's something that's very important to mention because... You mentioned that in the book. Yeah, a lot of women now, and they don't want to have kids. And I think that's also is something that is okay. Because I think that the worst thing you can do is have a child just because society expects you to do that when you really don't feel like you want to be a mom. So first I want to say that. And I was very clear that I didn't want to have kids. I just wanted to be successful in my job. I graduated high school at 17, college at 21, law school at 24. And I just wanted to be a successful lawyer and travel around the world. But then life had a little surprise for me. And I met my husband. We started dating. He wanted to have four kids. He wanted to have a big family. And we started dating. We got engaged. And I decided I wanted to wait a year between the engagement and getting married. And in that time, I got pregnant. And when I found out I got pregnant, I was so scared. And I really thought, you know, is this something I can do? Is this something I can handle? And then I said, okay, I think I can do it. If I've done everything else, I think this is something I can handle. How hard can it be? I said, I told myself, how hard can it be, right? And I said, I can get a nanny, you know, she can help me and I can go on and do whatever it is that I want. So my pregnancy was perfect. I didn't have any issues. I only gained 18 pounds. I knew that I was going to have a baby boy. I was so excited. And then the day came, November 28, 1999. And that's the day that completely changed my life. Because when Jorge was born, as soon as I held him in my arms, I learned for the first time in my life what true unconditional love is. And that's the love of a mother. But then I also learned that day what pain is because Jorge was born with a condition called craniosynostosis. And as soon as I took one look at him, 
I knew that there was something that wasn't right. And that's where all this wave of negative thoughts came into my mind. And the first thing I thought was, this happened because I didn't want him, because I didn't want to be a mom. This happened because maybe I ate something that I shouldn't have eaten. Maybe this is God punishing me for not wanting to be a mother. Oh, wait, is there a God? Is there a God? Would he be doing this to me? So I started questioning all these things and then I felt so bad. But then I looked at him and I was like, but I love him so much. Tell us about the condition. Cranicinosis is a condition that happens when the skull, which is surrounding the brain, fuses together before the brain has stopped growing. If you don't catch it on time, it can cause brain damage. So it's very critical for you ladies that are listening. When you have a baby, it's very important for you to pay close attention to their head. Uh, you have to check that the top part of the head is still soft, that it's not hard. And when you go to a pediatrician, when they're babies, please have them really check this, take measurements, and make sure that there's nothing going ahead with his skull. In Jorge's case, we found out very early, which was good, but it was also bad because it meant that his case was very severe. And when he was just 10 days old, they told me that he needed to have surgery, that they had to open his head from ear to ear, remove his skull, cut it in pieces like a puzzle, and put it back together. But the catch was that we couldn't do this until he was nine months old. So imagine having a baby and for the first nine months of his life, having this worry that he's gonna have this major surgery. And also his blood type was O negative. They told us he was gonna need blood transfusions in the surgery and I wasn't O negative. So I couldn't even like give him blood for his surgery. So it was extremely tough. Physically also, he didn't look right. He had like one eye higher than the other and his face was sort of shifted to the side because his left suture was the one that, that was closed. So it was a very, very scary feeling and I felt very helpless. I was frustrated and I felt very angry because there was nothing I could do to make him feel better. So as a mom, you know, loving him so much, it was just such a terrible feeling that I had to carry me with me for nine months. And I felt like there was nobody that could help me overcome this situation. And when you talk to doctors, sometimes they don't know how to explain things. They don't know how to tell you things. And they say things in a way that is so blunt that you leave the doctor's office more frustrated and more scared than when you came in. Eventually, in these nine months, the night before the surgery, I was like, okay, like, like I need to be strong. I, I need to just, you know, trust the doctors, trust the process, believe that he's going to survive. And that night I put him in this little crib. And when I went to the shower, I just started crying for the first time because in those nine months, I never Broke wanted it. to cry. I didn't want to. I didn't want to allow myself to feel because I felt that once I started like crying or like feeling sorry for myself, I thought that I wasn't gonna be able to like be strong and be a warrior for him and like keep going. So that night, finally, like I broke down and I said, God, if you're there, if you exist, if you're listening, please save my son. Let him survive this first surgery because I thought he was only gonna have one surgery. Let him survive this one surgery. And I promise to you, I swear I will do whatever I can to help other families that are in the same situation. 
Thank God the next day we went to the doctor. Like we had to be there at six in the morning. It was going to be the first case. I had to put on the whole gear as if I was going to go into surgery. And I had to carry him into the operating room. They said, okay, sit down. Please hold him. Hold him in your arms. We're going to put him to sleep. And they said, don't be scared. When we put the mask on him, because that's how they put babies to sleep because they're too young. When we put the gas mask on him, it's going to look like he's dead, but he's not. But just hold him, you know, hold him tight because his head is going to go be strong and it's going to be okay. So I did that. It happened just like they told me, his head felt back. I had to put him in the surgery bed. And then I looked around and I saw all kinds of pictures of him on the wall. I remember looking at all the instruments, the team of doctors, because it had to be seven doctors doing the surgery at the same time. And then I just had to leave him there and walk away and then wait for 14 hours for him to, to come out of the first of 10 surgeries that he ended up having in his life. So it was definitely something that was very transformative. It made me realize that I wasn't the center of the universe. It made me realize that I did want to be a mother. And it made me realize that the love that you feel for your children is something that doesn't compare to anything in the world. And now that I look at my life, the first thing I see myself as is a mom. And it's given me the biggest lesson, the biggest joy, and I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. He just celebrated his 21st birthday. Can you believe that? And he's given me so many lessons in his life. He's uh, studying at UM and he's studying acting. And he doesn't look perfect, but he doesn't care. It doesn't faze him. He has such confidence and such a vision. And every day I look at him and I admire him and I learn from him. Because in a society where we are worried so much about being beautiful, being perfect, he doesn't care about any of that. He's just putting himself out there, doing what he wants. And I think he's an inspiration for me every single day of my life. Cassandra Sánchez Navarro junto a Catherine Siachoque y Verónica Bravo en la nueva serie de comedia original de Biggs, Consuelo. Disponible en la app de Biggs, ya. When you look back, um, Laura, those, at those moments, I remember it's a part in the book where you say he cried, I don't know for how many hours straight as a baby and you didn't know what to do. How do you think, now that you could reflect on it, Where did you think you found that strength? Because I think anybody else, it would be normal for them to like break down or not be able to cope with it. But what do you think, especially for those moms who are like struggling maybe with anything, where could they find that inner strength? We all have the strength and it's, it's inside of you. It's in your heart and it comes from love. At that time, what happened was he had a surgery and he had an infection. It was when 911 was happening, 9-11 was happening in New York. So he was at the hospital. We were there for like six weeks. Um, he had this huge infection. They told me, listen, we don't know what the infection is. We don't know what the bacteria is. We're trying, but we might lose him because we don't know what's going on. And Jorge wouldn't stop crying. This was like 30 hours of him crying. Finally, I broke down with him because I imagine 30 hours, no sleep, tired, wondering, thinking he's gonna die. And I broke down with him. And to be honest with you, allowing myself to feel what was happening at that moment and crying and letting it go, I think that was the first step. I had to like do sort of like a detox and let all those feelings out. Then I had to start the healing process. I had to realize that this was a situation. I had to accept it and I had to 
find a way to help him, but I also had to find a way to move on. I didn't have time. I, I couldn't afford feeling sorry for myself. I couldn't afford making myself a victim when my son was going through this. And I also knew that one way or another, that situation was just a chapter in our story. I knew it wasn't going to be forever. I didn't know if it was going to end, you know, positively or negatively, but I knew it was just a moment in time. And I think when you're dealing with situations like that, that's something very important you have to realize. Whatever you're struggling with, right? It's not going to last forever. It's just a moment in time. And whatever you're dealing with it, don't make the mistake that I made for nine months. Don't hold it in. Allow yourself to feel whatever it is you're feeling, because if you don't, then you're going to have all this toxic energy inside of you that is just going to drag you down and it's not going to let you move forward. So I think that's like the most important thing. And as moms, believe me, we have the strength to handle anything. That was my situation. But I knew you had, you know, a difficult situation too. Yeah. Um, and actually the other day I was talking to, I was talking to Karen and she had never brought this up before. And she randomly, we were talking about what we wanted to discuss. She was like, you know what? I also had a moment where I was surprised how I kind of kept it together when I had to keep it together. How to pull through when you right. don't think that you're going to. Well, I had a moment when um, my daughter was about 10 months old. She had been very fussy that weekend and I, I assumed it was teething. I had blamed it on that. And my husband was out of town and I was giving her a bath. And in her bath, she suddenly started kind of like laying down, which was a very weird thing for her to do because she normally really enjoys her bath and she's very playful in it. But she started laying down in this weird way. So I said, okay, let me take you out of the bath. I got her towel. I took her out of the bath and I wrapped her in the towel. And when I wrapped her in the towel, she closed her eyes and just kind of passed out. And it was to the point where I was shaking her and trying to bring her back. And I was like, Victoria, Victoria. And I, and I touched her face and I spoke loudly and nothing. I, I, I honestly, I don't know if at the time she was breathing or not because I really didn't have a way of telling her. I didn't think about it at the time, to be honest. But I FaceTimed my mom, which I was probably not the right thing to do in the moment, but I FaceTimed her and she said, call 911 right away. And so I hung up with her and I called 911 and it was what feels like the longest call of my life. I was on the phone for about six minutes as I had to give all this information. You know, I had never really called 911 for an emergency, so I wasn't really sure how much I had to share. So I gave them, I told them what was going on. And all this time I'm on the phone and I'm pacing back and forth in my house, holding Victoria in my arms, still passed out, not reacting to anything. And I knew she it was different than being asleep. She was not asleep. So they told me just, you know, keep talking to her, keep you know, trying to move her, et cetera. Luckily, my parents, who at the time didn't live very close, they happened to be just five minutes away. So they arrived before the ambulance did. When my mom walks in with my dad, she starts talking very vividly and she's like, Victoria, Victoria. She was able to make her react and kind of, you see Victoria just like kind of opening her eyes very slowly, but her stare was just like a glazed off kind of daze. I don't know. And the ambulance arrived shortly after and they, you know, it's almost like she finally came through again. So she had been out for a total of about seven minutes. They basically said she had a really high temperature um, and they suggested that we take her to the ER, which is what we ended up doing. And when we took her to the ER, at, by this point, she had a temperature of 100, a little bit over 104 
They gave her some medications right away. By all this, like, my husband was out of town, so I had just called him and I said, Victoria's passed out. If you happen to see the ambulance through our ring camera in the front door, like, just know I'm on it, everything's okay. And I hung up and I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that was horrible for him as well. But I just felt like, almost like a robot where I just had to just make these decisions, do these things without being able to like, really let what was happening sink in. But yeah, we ended up taking her to the ER and at the ER, they gave her some medications to try to control the fever. But then what they also, one nurse suggested that I put her skin to skin immediately. Because even though she was a little bit older already, they said there's just something about being skin to skin with the mother that will help regulate her temperature. And, you know, I'll tell you, I don't know if it helps regulate her temperature. I don't know if that's what it was. Her temperature went back to normal very quickly, but it sure as hell helped me as well feel close to my daughter after a moment that felt pretty horrifying. In the end, what happened is that she had a febrile seizure, just a seizure and passing out as a result of a very quick spike in her temperature. And that was the beginning of what ended up being the hand-foot-mouth virus, which, by the way, they, the doctors said, it's very unlikely for the parent to get it. You're not going to get it. It's mostly in kids. And I ended up getting it as well. But yeah, that was definitely a really hard moment where you have no other choice than to act and do the things that need to get done, even though you feel like your heart is in a million pieces. It's one of those moments where you have every reason to not swim, but at the same time, you have no other choice but to just do it, you know? And the reason for it is your child and the love that you have for them, like you said. Because I always but, feel like, does it feel like an out-of-body experience? Like, now that you're looking... Yeah. back does it feel like when you're looking down you're like okay i can't believe i well did this or that you know sometimes there's stuff that you do you don't realize you're doing it yeah at that moment just so i had a ring camera in victoria's room and i i truthfully once everything passed i have no idea what compelled me to do this but i decided to look back at the footage of the ring camera of that moment it was so horrible to just see myself pacing around with victoria her being unconscious, trying to be, you know, calling 911 and everything on the phone. I'm watching this footage and I just felt like I looked like a, just like a robot trying to get things done. To be honest, I deleted the video shortly after because I, I said, I, I never actually want to see this again. But yeah, luckily it was a very short-lived situation in my case and it passed. However, you're, you're forever marked by these moments. So, you know, now if Victoria has even the slightest fever, I pay attention and I'm constantly very aware of what might happen. I also, unfortunately, and I don't know if this is just like underlying anxiety that I now have as a result of that, but if I'm ever giving her a bath, there's moments where I just, I grab the towel, it's in the same spot as always, but I'll just get flashbacks of that moment. And I try to, you know, bring myself back to the present, but it's very hard when you go through something so shocking and so challenging to just kind of move on with it. But again, I, I'm very fortunate that it was just this one time and it was not, you know, something more complicated for her. Right. But I'm saying that it also stay with you the fact that I got this, I could handle, you know what I mean? Like sometimes until you're put in that situation, you don't realize how strong you really are. That's my point. Like, did you, Yeah. are you more conscious of 
aware of... I mean, yeah, I believe in my strength. I would just prefer to not have to use it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather not have to use it very often if, if possible. So I guess my darkest moment, I would say, while I was pregnant, for some reason, I don't know if someone told me this, who I read it somewhere... Or maybe my mom, you know, one of those Latin superstitions where they're like, make the crib, but don't like make it with the sheets and the pillow and the thing until the baby's home. I forget. I don't really believe in that. I believe in Jesus and God and, you know, but one day I come back and they were fixing the room and and I see that someone had made it out of the goodness of their heart. And I was like, oh my God, no, no, no. Don't make the bed. Don't make the bed. Undo it. Undo it. Undo it. They were like, okay, she's crazy. Again, maybe it's the hormones. I don't know. I undid the bed. And then that night, I remember I went to sleep and I was like, oh my God, I just want my baby to be home. You know, he was still in my belly. I was so pregnant. And then, you know, I think it was maybe two weeks after that, I went into labor. You know, it was an emergency C-section, which is emotionally is already like, okay, you know, this is not what I wanted. But from there, I just wanted the baby to be fine. Obviously, I think that's everyone's priority when, and it's funny when people are like, oh, what was your birth plan? And at that point, I realized to just get him out safely, like (laughs) healthy and for me to be fine, you know? So I said the story before. So he ended up, because my ambient fluid was gone for longer than they originally thought. I had been 28 hours. They thought it was, uh, you know, dangerous for the baby. He might have an infection. So he ended up leaving it in the NICU, which is very, very hard because one, for 24 hours, I couldn't see him. I didn't have access to him. Obviously, we're in the pandemic too. So because of COVID prevention, they were still trying to figure out how to deal with mother-patient care at that point. I mean, I would have thought, I think now that I know better, Mm -hmm. that I need to be with my baby. But I wasn't able to see him for 24 hours. So I'm physically like in pain. I remember I was like squeezing the colossum into this like syringe so they could take him over to the NICU for them to feed the baby. And I was just physically in pain. I had just had the C-section and I just wanted to see my baby. I remember I, I forced myself finally when I got the green light to go see him. Like I got up and just physically what surprised me was like you just become numb. It was like seeing my baby like on a finish line and you just like... I got to get there. That was the first challenge. I physically got there. I got to see him. And then because of the pandemic, usually moms get 24-7 access to their babies in the NICU. We didn't. It was like, you you could only be here from nine to five. And then you have to go home. We can allow you to stay here. So imagine every day I was get there like at 8.50. I would stand there for 10 minutes, wait. I was physically still in pain because I had just had surgery. Even though ironically, I feel like that helped me recuperate so much faster because I would walk throughout the NICU. And I would just be with my baby all day, all day for 10 straight days. But I remember the first day, that I was released from the hospital. So I, would, I didn't even want to leave from the hospital because I knew that it was like my biggest nightmare was going to come true, which was I was going to leave the hospital with no baby, you know, without him, right? Emotionally, I was like, you know, like you said, I had to keep telling myself that it was just for a few days. It was just for a few days. He's going to be fine and eventually he'll be home, eventually he'll be home. But it seems so eternal when you're going through something like that. So I remember coming in and we had like a bassinet with a pillow with his name because of course I had everything with his name. (laughs) And I remember thinking, oh my God, like my biggest nightmare became a reality because my crib was empty, my bassinet was empty, like my arms were empty, but I was also very conscious that it was just for a temporary time. So even though it's hard, you know, it's a hard process, especially because you had to leave him. It was like having to abandon him every single night. For me, it was like such a guilt because... I guess I feel like I would have slept there if I would have if I would have had the ability to stay with him. But it's like having to relive that pain, and you know, I always you're hormonal, you're emotional. It's like um, Groundhog Day over and over and over again, you know. And I remember that nightmare that I had, and I'm like, oh my god, I said not to do it. Maybe it was th-. you know, like you start blaming everything. <laughs> yeah. I was like, why didn't it happen? But I did learn a few things. One, I was very impressed on how emotional love could really overpower your physical pain. 
like the power of of love and the power of your mind and your your will to want to be with your loved one allows you to numb you. It's like the best anesthesia to any physical pain. So I was very impressed with my body, mm -hmm. the, how fast it was healing just so I could be by the little crib and NICU thing where my baby was. I was very, very impressed. And I think that allowed me to maintain that security and that strength for the, you know, these past months. And number two, I think it was... It was just to be grateful for what you do have. Again, even though he didn't come home with me that day, I knew there was women that their babies don't come home at all. So I was very like extra, extra, extra more grateful than I think I was already just for having Ford. Because for me, Ford is a dream come true. And I remember when they put him, when I first saw him out, I, I was like, it was like love at first. It's, it's crazy. That is the biggest love in the world. Yeah. That is the in the world and I think when when we are in situations like the ones we've all been I think we have to like look at situations a different way right like it's bad that all these things are happening but in the middle of everything you have to think how lucky are we how lucky are we that we can get that medical care that your mom was a phone call away you know that the 911 you know, was there for you seven minutes after, that he was in the NICU protected, that they were just getting him healthy so you could bring him home, that, you know, Jorge had 10 surgeries and he survived and now he's fine. So I think it's all how you look at things. You can think of it as a negative that's happening at the moment, or you can switch around and look at the positive. And this is happening right now. It's tough right now, but in the future, it's going to be so much better. And I think if you start looking at things that way, then you're going to feel better. And that instant or that moment in time, you're going to be able to move past it and be happy, even in the middle of the storm or of everything that's going on. So sometimes it's all about perspective. Like you said, when you're in that situation, you're sort of moving like a robot and you're just reacting and you're just doing what you need to do. After, it's good to take yourself outside of the situation and look at things from a different perspective in black and white and see what you can do differently in the future. What can you do better? What did I learn from this situation in case something like it happens again? Thank you, Laura, so much for sharing your story with us and for being part of this episode. I hope that if anyone was listening to this on their way to work or in the car, that they're not crying and their makeup is not totally ruined. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a celebration. We started off with yeah. our strength. I feel like we need to feel more secure than ever. Yes. We need to be grateful and we need to celebrate each other as well, right? Because you never know who's going through a struggle. You never know what their story is. You never know what they've been through. So I think this is a celebration to, to a mother's love and a mother's recipient. And reassurance that we are strong enough. We are strong enough for the things that will come our way. Like in that moment, something clicks yeah. and you just, yeah. you go into mama bear mode. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening and tuning into our podcast. Please check us out on Instagram at motherish. We're there, we're listening, and we'd love to hear from you. So thank you so much. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Until next time, everyone.
Cassandra Sánchez Navarro junto a Katherine Siachoque y Verónica Bravo en la nueva serie de comedia original de Biggs, Consuelo. Disponible en la app de Biggs ya. Yeah.